Welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Valor Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, howtodecorate.com. I'm Taryn Schwartz, and I'm on the product design team. And I'm Karen Mooney, and head up branding for Ballard. Hey, y'all. Hi, welcome back. We're so excited to have as our guest today, William Peace. We have been trying to get you on the podcast since probably the first episode that we recorded. That's true. And we were brainstorming. <laughs> yeah. Let's, we'll, we'll get Bill on there. Yeah. And I think I said yes. We just couldn't work it out. <laughs> That's right. You're very busy. It's all about that travel thing and whatever else is going on in oh, our world. Your life. Mm-hmm. You life gets in the way. You have vis- You have projects all over the country. Don't you do a lot of work out west? We do. We do. We um, do a lot of work in Montana, Wyoming, Done work in Oregon, California, Those are all and Northeast. Places. We have a project right now in New Hampshire, one in Florida, wow. a couple of other places, New York. Yeah, I loved your Instagram because it's always somewhere not here. You know, you're in Europe all the time, or you're tons out at, out west, which is yeah, that's the fun part of my job. You ever see anything? You know, like out in Montana. Honestly, you know, I follow a bunch of designers, and it's always like, oh, New York or Palm Beach or whatever, and then you're, you're just always like, and here's some. Here's a skull head or whatever. <laughs> well, some people love those things and some don't. I particularly do. And uh, I fell in love with Montana in the 90s. I had a project out there, a wonderful client who had a ranch in um, – where were they? Somewhere in the Midwest. And then they bought this ranch in Montana, in Oklahoma. That was where we did our first project. And then they bought the ranch in Montana. We went out and worked on that. I met all kinds of cool people. We designed some amazing reclaimed log buildings and I was hooked, and I love the, you know, it's a big part of my personal life. I like to fish, we like to ski. My kids go out, my wife goes out, and and it's business. So it's it's turned out to be a huge thing for me. That's awesome. So you, I mean, you start with one project, and then it just becomes word of mouth, or how does it work? Pretty much, and uh, we get a lot of referrals from architects and contractors, and so I met these great people out there, and there's really fascinating people there who come from all over and choose to live that lifestyle because they just want to be outside and they want to be there because it's magnetic and beautiful and you just can't stay away once you go. Mm-hmm. So I have friends who are from New York and some from California who've ended up there, architects and friends. and That live there. That live there. And um, so there are some good resort communities, some good ranch properties. So we have clients where we work on both types of things, ski houses. Did you find it natural for your style of design to work with that landscape and that architecture? Yeah, what's your style? You know, I didn't think I would, but once we did this one project, I just thought this is just the coolest thing. Yeah. There's, there's a certain, um, I don't know, it's it's rugged and it's masculine and it's just this interesting thing that you don't really see anywhere else. And it's very American and it's very cowboy and Western and you know, if you grow up thinking you should have been a cowboy like me, then you want to go. You want to go to places like you that. You grew up thinking you should have been a cowboy. You know why not? That's pretty. I grew awesome. up in Kentucky. I was around horses a lot. It was just a different type of thing. But, <laughs> you but were halfway yeah. there. <laughs> so once I got there, I, I started really relating to nature mm-hmm. and the architecture, and so we did our first project, and I loved doing it. And phone rang again. We got another one, and. 
stylistically, um, you know, I, I have a, a theory about, you know, our interiors are really about a background for living. So it's about neutrality and texture and authentic materials as much as anything. Mm-hmm. So that can be a very modern, clean aesthetic or can be a very rustic Western aesthetic. And those same things can transcend. And that's what I like doing. And then when you have that, you have artwork and you have people and you have food and you have things going on in the environment and, and out the window in that Western aesthetic where you have mountain views and it's incredible. So that's what I want people to remember when we do one of our interiors. It's not about any single chair or single thing. It's about what's interesting that you collect or what's interesting of why you're there. And uh, especially in the West, it's kind of like being at the beach. You'd really like to be outside all the time. But the reality is you need a roof over your head and you have to have an interior. Right. And so how do you make that complement what's going on outside instead of compete with it? Do you find yourself regionally shopping? And when you have these jobs all over the U.S., uh-huh. um, do you shop for those homes and those interiors in that region? Or do you have your go-tos here in Atlanta? And- it's, um, it's a combination of all that. Because there are certain things that you're not going to find there. And we've had clients that say, I really want everything to come from Montana. Well, nobody made sofas in Montana. We're not finding any that are old, or if we do find them, they're Victorian and they're, we don't want to sit on it. So um, a lot of what we do is, uh, especially with upholstery, it's new upholstery for the most part, or Mm -hmm. we might find some French leather chairs or something interesting like that that really works in these interiors. Um, when it comes to case goods and that sort of thing, they're from all over. And a lot of times they're European, so a, a country French or Italian type piece fits in in that world nicely, mm-hmm. just like it would in other parts of the country. So if we're in Montana, it works. We're working in New Hampshire right now on a lake house that's more uh, Adirondack style. So we find things from a variety of places that work, and some of them come from local areas. What we do find are... You know, if we go down the path of antlers and taxidermy, (laughs) it's local. You know, that's that's local, and people really like it who like it. Mm -hmm. And so we do some of that. Um, We also find artwork where there's regional artists, and they're landscape painters or wildlife painters that sport paintings, that sort of thing. How do you find local artists like that? You know, word of mouth. some places like Bozeman, there are galleries there, and they carry a lot of work from local people. So you hear about a guy who tells you about another guy who knows somebody who does this, and you go see him. Mm-hmm. Kind of like finding mm-hmm. a folk artist in the South. Mm. You, know, right. you hear about you know, <laughs> Mose Tolliver, and you get in your car and go drive to go see him. There's some of that that goes on. Well, right. how do you, when you're working with art like that, do you start the room with art or is it something that has to have a personal connection with the client or are there any rules around that kind of selection process? I always like for it to be something, if we can, and, and folks have interest in it, I like to talk to somebody about what their interests are, what what drives you to be in this location, what are you a fisherman? Are you a skier? Are you, you know, if you're in, and that transcends into any part of what, what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. What are your interests? Do you have any collections? And, um, so we tap onto that and somebody says, yeah, I'd like to collect arrowheads. It's like, okay, let's celebrate an arrowhead collection. Right. 
What but, if they say they don't have any collections? Yeah, what if they don't? I uh, say, what, what do you like? start collecting. Yeah. <laughs> what, can, what collection can we start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if it's bowls. something terrible? You know, this great wooden bowl right here, you could say, I want to collect wooden bowls. I do like a wooden bowl. I do too. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> don't be trying have to steal my bowl. <laughs> why not have a hundred? Well, this will look good in my house. Why not I know where you live. A <laughs> hundred wooden bowls, you know? Start mm-hmm. your collection. And then that way you give somebody an idea. And then when they travel, I'm not out searching for the bowls. It's become their thing that they take ownership in, and they're out searching for the bowls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fun. You know, collecting art when you travel is a fun thing to do. Do you do that? Yeah. So Great memories of wherever you go. You come back and you look at that, whatever it is, that object. It can be a rock that you found, you know. I have a couple of rocks that I've found by rivers. And Did you buy them like Karen does? I threw, no, I threw them in my bag. Don't <laughs> <talk> me. <laughs> I have I, bought a rock. She's good. just making fun that's of good. me. <laughs> But I think you can collect anything. I have crazy collections. You've been in my house. I have. I, I have love some your house. Pretty interesting things. Tell so. me about your house craziest. a little bit, if you don't oh. mind, because your house is very unique. Yeah, my house is unique. Um, we live. My wife and I and kids come and go. But you live like down the street from me. I live right down the street. I could walk home or take an Uber, which is probably <laughs> just what usually happens. Yeah. <laughs> I leave my car here. Um, we live in a building that was built as a gas station in 1912, and it's on a busy street as a gas station would be on a busy corner. And it was um, a operating uh, gas station, service station, until the mid-60s. And then it shut down, and it was not occupied again until the 80s when someone converted it to a residence. And I bought it from, from folks back uh, 14, 15 years ago I've been there. And so it's got a lot of character. It's, you know, interesting in its own right, the structure. But the people who renovated it, um, they owned restaurants here in Atlanta. And one of the couple, he was into Santa Fe and she was into Italy. They worked all the time. So they created their house to have those sort of influences. So the exterior was pink stucco when I bought it, very Italianate, <laughs> at least in their mind. <laughs> and um, the interior has... Um, Mexican tile floors and has rough textured walls and has that Adobe-esque sort of feeling. So I made a few modifications to it. It's not pink anymore. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we had to do quite a bit of work on it. But it's got big openings where the gas station doors used to be. And we have a 75-foot lap pool, which is where the tanks used to be. And my kids love it. And, you know, it's not a big house at all, but it works for us. Yeah, it has so That's much amazing. personality. And yeah. it's great for parties. It's great for parties. Because those big yeah. doors open up yeah. and you can go out by the pool and you can circulate Arbors really and easily. Pool deck and, and that whole thing. So it's mm-hmm. surrounded by a wall. It's a really small piece of land. We don't have a blade of grass, which makes me very happy. <laughs> um, but uh, we love it. We love living there. And, you know, you walk in and you feel like you really are not in Atlanta anymore. And that's what sold me on it when I walked in the house. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is not like any house in the neighborhood. What's your favorite change that you made when you bought it or since then, since you bought it? My favorite change is probably what we did to the exterior because I used to drive up and go, I can't believe I live in a pink house. (laughs) (laughs) And then we did some work on that and we got rid of the pink. And then just recently we've done a specialty finish, a um, kind of a cross between stucco and Venetian plaster that is really lovely. And it's a pearl whitish gray beige color very soft and subtle and 
you know, has a little modern influence to it by doing that. And um, Pretty. So, yeah, we really like that. And that's kind of fresh on my mind because we just finished it. So. so what's the craziest collection you have? Because you said you had some crazy collections of items in your home. I have some really interesting knives. Knives. Which include a hatchet <laughs> that's pretty special. It's got this incredible mastodon horn handle. And I bought it at the Virginia Highlands Festival from this great knife dealer. I have another knife that the blade itself was made from the drivetrain of like a 57 Chrysler. Um, so wow. those are really fun. How do you display those? Um, the hatchet sits on my mantle. So, so it's okay. handy in case I need it. Mm-hmm. Smart. <laughs> and knives are just kind of laid out across the table. I have some antique tools that I collect. I have a kind of a iron and steel collection of just found things. But it, all right, I don't want it to sound like you're a hoarder because you're not. Your house is very, very pared back, I think. Yeah. There's not a ton of stuff in it. Right. I mean, it's, you know, there's like one beautiful piece of art that's well lit, you know, and then there's a knife sitting next to it. And you're like, what's up with the knife? But you know what I'm saying? It's all very intentional. <laughs> and I remember one time I was over there. I think we were talking about this, and you said to your wife, Melissa, you're like, yeah, there's too much in here. i got to clear some stuff out. Yeah, there's like, a lot there. Even, <laughs> as, even as kind of pared back as it is, you're not shoving it full of collections. Yeah. There's got to be a balance. I, guess, I have huh? things, but I, I display them simply, and I kind of say, okay, if I have three knives, I'm going to lay those three knives together. I don't spread the knives all over the house. And I've got Under your pillow. <laughs> I might have a few hidden away. <laughs> Uh, but I do have some in the drawer, so sometimes I'll change them. And, you know, I think it's kind of fun when you collect things, even like art, it's fun to change it. And we have an easel in our living room, if you remember that. Yes. A really large easel that we will change the painting that sits on that easel. That's cool. Where do you, do you, are, that's cool. Do you store them away or do you just rotate things around the house? I rotate them around the house and I take them to my office. Okay. And they oh, come okay. back and forth from the office sometimes. That's nice. And how often so, are you doing that? Just when the whim hits? Just when the whim hits. Or if we have a party. It, it's more driven by an event probably than anything else. Like mm-hmm. either I'm going to have some at the office. I'd like to take that painting back and hang it there for a while. And it stays six months or a year. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been to events at your home. And there's usually quite a few designers there, interior mm-hmm. designers. Mm-hmm. Is there extra pressure when you're entertaining interior designers to have your house look good? Are they judging you the whole time? Yeah, I don't care if they Come are. Come on. You know, <laughs> no pressure? If I really care, do you think I'd invite that crowd to my house? Because I'm sure they go away and well, talk about Can you believe he has the antlers hanging on his yeah, wall? Yeah, what's the the antlers? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, what's great about our design community in Atlanta, and I think it's really unique because I go to design events and I've gotten to know people in other cities who are designers, and they don't treat each other and care about each other the way we seem to in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. We've we heard have that a lot. close friends, my wife and I do, who are business associates of mine, and they're competitors of mine, really. And you you guys know most of them. And Beth Webb got married not long ago. We had a party at our house for her, and half the design community was there. Mm-hmm. Now, we had to be careful about how we did the seating arrangement for a couple <laughs> of people. But, but the good news is we have really talented people who are just wonderful people, mm-hmm. and they really are some of my closest friends. So, yeah, I take the risk. Everyone else has reiterated that same thing, including Beth and like, you know, yeah. just everyone's very supportive and kind. And, and I really think it's unique. I think it's Atlanta's pretty special in that regard. We have questions from our listeners about how to get into the business. Really? Mm-hmm, we do. Do you have any tips? 
I think if you're serious about getting in the business, you need to go to school for it, mm-hmm. and you need to take it very seriously and get a degree. And you know, because you know, we all know people who have a flair for design. And that are might, you looking at us? I'm looking at you. <laughs> and, we deserve it. <laughs> you know, and and I think that's great because that is a decoration thing more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think decoration is a real important piece of design. You, if you're a good decorator as a designer. That enhances what you do, no doubt. But that really doesn't teach you how to work with architects, become a part of what's going on from the structure, everything on the inside. So if you really want to do that, you need to have an education to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some great schools around. And you know, then you go to work for somebody and you apprentice, internship, those sort of things, and take off and work for somebody else or do your own thing, whichever. Um, but they can also... Just do it by natural. You know, I have some friends who just got into it who either have fashion backgrounds or Mm -hmm. architectural backgrounds, different backgrounds. And um, you can do that, too. I I personally think if you really want to do it right, you go to school. Right. Mm -hmm. Would you only hire people in your firm that went to school or would you be open minded about it? Um, For design position, Mm -hmm. if I'm really hiring them to be a designer, yeah, they need to have a formal education to do that. Yeah. Now, are there jobs in my firm? We were just thinking about that recently with social media and somebody who does research, you know, there, there might be an opportunity if it was a pretty special person that came along. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone with a flair. Somebody with a flair <laughs> who's really good at it. <laughs> Typically. Yeah. We're going to hire somebody who's yeah. gone to design school or architecture school. And a lot of it is just experience too. You got to get out and live life and do it and you have to travel and see that mm-hmm. I think travel is the greatest thing a designer can do Either. do you have any tips for people who are out on their own say going to antique fairs or um, estate sales or anything like that when they're looking for things for their home yeah, yeah. I think you buy quality and you buy what strikes you that you really love mm-hmm. and then it works you know you can find a place for it how can you spot quality uh, you know, there's right of ways. I mean, if you're looking at antiques, it's it's how it's put together. And, you know, there's some real technique to that. And I'm not a total expert in that. I mean, mm-hmm. I can look at something, get a pretty good feel for it. There are people who can kind of, you know, tip it upside down and really know this part was added on 20 years after it was built. And this thing right. was done in 1870. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of get a feel. I've seen enough to go, the quality feels right. And mm-hmm. I look at this and the proportions are right and the details right and the materials right. So if I'm looking for something and it's walnut and it's like the wood's gorgeous, like, well, it's gorgeous. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it. And if I think so, somebody else is going to think so. But I really do think it's a personal preference so many times. Kind of the way you buy art, same mm-hmm. thing. You know, what's beautiful to me in a painting may not be the same as what you guys think, but. So that emotional connection. Yeah. Is it's a connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's also, especially when you travel, I mean, you may find something just you go, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen, especially because I'm in this little weird town. Oh, yeah. There's a guy on the side of the road <laughs> that happens to have it. Oh, yeah. you. I definitely end up with something in my lap most times. Yeah. So. I remember <laughs> years ago, I took my kids who went on a fishing trip in Belize, and we were driving down the road, and here was some guy on the side of the road carving mask. So we bought this mask that was probably two feet by oh, my five gosh. feet. 
(laughs) pulled over and he had all these things that were finished wood and they had been stained and glazed and really shiny and painted on. This one he was working on was raw and was very pale, raw wood, and he had carved it and done nothing else. And so I said, I want that one. And Mm -hmm. he's like, no, that one's not for sale. It's not ready. I said, no, I want that one. So finally I negotiated with him. I thought he said 2000 really said 20. <laughs> so I gave him $20. We threw it in the back of our rental car and get to the airport like, okay, now how are we going to get now this? Yeah. Yeah. So we figured out a way. We, you know, wrapped it up in paper and tape and somehow <laughs> yeah. it made it and it hangs in the hallway in my house. So That's cool. And every time I walk by that, it's like, I remember that day with my kids and it's cool. And it cost me 20 bucks. Right. <laughs> right. I love that. Memory. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a great memory. So the things you have don't have to cost a lot of money. They uh-uh. just have to be special to you. Mm-hmm. You talked earlier about um, wanting your stuff, especially out west, your, desi- your design projects, to reflect the outside and you know the location. Mm-hmm. Um, how do people do that without making it feel kitschy? Because I like know a you beach do that house elegant- or something. Yeah, yeah, you do that elegantly. But how- what kind of tips can you? Give people, if they are doing a beach house or embracing their surroundings. I think if you're using materials that are real and authentic, like let's just say you're using a stone paver and that comes from the area somewhere where you are, where this house is going to be built, where where it exists, is there a way you can carry that same material inside and outside? Same thing with the siding. How do you carry what's outside inside? And how do you have a material that is maybe a little unexpected on the inside? Mm-hmm. And therefore, it becomes unique and special, and it um, becomes art into itself. Give an example of what you mean. Okay, so if I decided my exterior of my house was going to be log, uh-huh. let's just say it is, then you carry that log on the exterior wall on the inside, mm-hmm. and then maybe you do a detail somewhere. Like the mantle or Translating something. Translating to, you know, let's say Atlanta. You have stone on the exterior of your house or some area. Do a detail on the inside of stone. Minimize the materials and make it something special. So, therefore, you're taking something that's part of nature. It's on your house already. You're Mm -hmm. going to put it there. Bring it inside and make it something special. Do a wall that's stone. Hang a great painting on it. It's a great backdrop. You do that out of steel. You could do it out of wood. You could do it out of stone. Cool. Whatever it happens to be. I happen to love natural materials, so we, you know, right. we always try to do that, no matter where we're working. And that's so like perfect out west too, because you think like big stone fireplaces, like I don't know. That's what I think. And I also think it it works at the beach too. Mm-hmm. That's true. And there's a palette that's created by these natural things. So the color of sand and the color of the water. And those things, if you bring that inside, mm-hmm. if the palette of your floor becomes the same color as sand, you're getting the feeling. Yeah. It doesn't have to be literal. So you get the yeah. feeling that you're walking on sand when you walk in your house. I like that. Sometimes you are walking on sand inside your beach Sometimes. house. Sometimes, <laughs> true. It's a lot of times. Welcome it. <laughs> Based on the feet coming in. I'm well, Bill, we've partnered with you on a couple projects. And what, what we often say that we really like to do is partner with designers because they always bring such a different point of view to our product. Like mm-hmm. we know how to make Ballard look like Ballard, mm-hmm. right? Because it's what we do all day. Um, but when we partner with someone else like you who has this totally different aesthetic on a project, it it makes everything look – new and fresh and different and it kind of brings this whole new reality to the product that we work with every day. So we did 
I think the first time I met you, we worked together on the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. Yes, we did. And you were designing the Connoisseur Lounge. Mm-hmm. And Ballard uh, donated the product, the furniture. And I remember walking into that space and just being blown away by I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like this is this is this is our stuff. This is Ballard. What's going on? It was just such a different, fresh take on everything. And I don't even. What's my question? I don't even know if there's a question except how do you do that? What? You know, I think what I did is I looked at it, and you all have your. I can't remember exactly what it's either she or her or somebody who's your typical client Mm -hmm. that is who you go for, who really is you're driving that type of business for who that client is who purchased your product. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's usually lighter in color or it was at that time. There's a freshness about the aesthetic. It's it's that sort of thing, and it had a little bit of more of a female side to right, it. I feminine, would say it uh-huh. has some femininity to it, and so I looked at it as as how do we do this same product with a fresh, different eye? Mm-hmm. And so I looked at it as let's do some deeper, richer colors, and let's take you all had some velvet product at the time that was relatively newly introduced, mm-hmm. and let's take that, and there were some jewel tones in this deeper taupe colors, and. Through that, I think there was a richness created that was a little different than the typical of what's being shown and being done, at least at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we mixed it with antiques. And some of those things are like the things we're talking about that we would find in France. Um, They came from my buddy Shane Roebuck, who is an antiques dealer. And so that mix, because I don't think it works when you just buy everything from one place. You've got to have variety in your life. Yeah, personality. And so that's what we did in that scenario, and I think it worked. And we created, we used your all's lighting, we used some of your rugs, we brought some antique rugs in and mixed it together. Mm-hmm. And Didn't you bring in original art as well, we I believe? We brought in mm-hmm. some really beautiful yeah. art. And we did that event uh, four years, I think. And each year, the challenge to me was, how do I work with Ballard, but how do I make it different than last year? Right. Mm-hmm. And that was fun to do. And I really enjoyed it. And some of that was through the artwork because if we had really modern art that sets a tone, we have sporting art or, you know, whatever the situation is, we change that up. We have three-dimensional art versus two-dimensional art. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going to make it feel different? And you can change your space dramatically through artwork. Mm-hmm. So that was, and, and there was also that space was in a corporate office building. Right. Yeah. How do you, you know, give that personality? Or, or, or hotel. Yeah. Lab. High rise. Yeah. It was in a high rise with a, with a glass curtain wall. And there was not a war- lot of warmth to that space to start with. Okay. So we had to create that warmth and comfort where somebody who's part of the connoisseur experience wanted to be there. Right. Beyond mm-hmm. the drinks. I wanted to be there. Yeah. Well, you know, they had <laughs> good drinks, they had good amazing. food, had comfortable furniture. You know, yeah, they did. And we made yeah. it look pretty good. We made it look really good. Yeah, so well, that you was did. Fun. Yeah. I just looked at it and smiled. <laughs> I enjoyed doing those. That's a great event. That's a great event. Yeah. And then the other one that we did beyond the connoisseur lounges was when we did something for the catalog. Yeah, you were guest stylist for mm-hmm. us, that guest was designer. Fun. Yeah, that yeah. was fun. Yes. And again, it was it was how do I look at what's typically done with the product and look at it with a fresh eye and do something different. We did a whole loft space. It was a loft Mm -hmm. space. And so that was really kind of where my mind went with it is because a lot of what you all have shown and what I'd seen in the past was more in a typical residence that you would think of. And there's 
the backgrounding looks like there could be crown molding and there could be typical base. How do we do it in an urban setting? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. way people are living in inner cities now, mm-hmm. something that's fresh and new and different. And somebody may live in a loft space, which could be had been a warehouse. And so we shot that in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. And it was white brick walls and steel windows and pretty severe background. But we warmed it up with furnishings and that we kept very light and fresh in a bedroom setting, I remember. And then we still did something velvet. a little richer. There was so beautiful velvet. And it's yeah. still real luxurious. Yeah. We did a library sort of desk office scene mm-hmm. that was a little darker. Mm-hmm. One of the things you did in that space that I loved, and I'd never – I'm sure people had done it before, but I'd never noticed it, was you used like – all of your upholstery was was um, velvet, but they were all like the same color, but like slightly different. I mean, like it was very tonal. The I same guess. value yeah. or something? Well, there was like a gray and then like a blue with a lot of gray in it. Mm-hmm. And then like something, it was like another blue that was like just a shade darker. So the so, values were very similar. Yeah. So it gave a calming, I mean, you, that's kind of a trick you can do. If everything's a similar value, even if you change the color slightly, there's a calming effect to that. And there's not harsh contrast so that you create this jarring, jarring sort yeah. of mm-hmm. feeling. Everything kind of flows together. And you do seem to work in a lot of solids. I do. Yeah. So like she's saying, it was all solid upholstery, all the same value, but different colors. And, then and I was very happy with that. It was beautiful. <laughs> and I was very comfortable in that, right? Right, I was too. And I feel like your first concert lounge was similar to that, like velvets Most everything these. we do is very similar to that. <laughs> and you will see tone-on-tone patterns, but mm-hmm. they're subtle. But it's back to that thing that I was saying earlier of creating this background for living where it's relatively neutral. Right. And then the things that are special. And, you know, a pillow can be special, but doesn't necessarily have to be every time. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing like special have, if everything's special. Have a special it's pillow true. instead yeah. of all my pillows are special. And that's when you walk in and it's like, whoa, there's just a little too much for me going on here. So how do you do tone on tone and not have it be boring or plain? Because oh. that room was not bl- boring at all. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, it was so exciting, but so simple. Uh-huh. I, th- I think it's texture. I think these subtle color differences Mm-hmm. And then I think you complement it with other things. And so whether that's an antique or a really modern piece, you know, if you're doing upholstery that Ballard might do, mix it up with something that's drastically different. Doesn't have to be a drastically different color, mm-hmm. but it's of a different time period. It's of a different style. Right. It has reflection where the other may have a matte finish. How do you have a little subtle contrast so it doesn't look like it's the same old thing mm-hmm. and it's boring and beige out you know we don't want to do that <laughs> we want it to have some life but that life doesn't have to be overpowering now is that something you learn in school or is that something you learn in life uh i i think you just kind of you know in school you learn any school you learn how to learn uh-huh. i think is what you learn in school right you don't really learn the stuff you need to know observation but you skills. learn how to learn right and I think that that's what it is. And when I got out and I started thinking about what am I intrigued with architecturally and design-wise, and, and and some of that, a little bit of that is my personal taste. I mean, you've been to my house. My house doesn't really carry all these rules that I throw out. Just um, the knives. Just enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you need to have your personal style come through, whatever that happens to be. But I think, you know, and, and if you could talk to 10 different designers, they're going to give you 10 different answers because they interpret it differently than I did. Yeah. This is the way I interpret it. 
and it's where I started my career and what I learned. And my first job out of school was working for uh, a firm that did country clubs and corporate work. And a lot of it was very decorative, very traditional, and very formal. And, and I was trained in that formal way. And then once you learn those rules, then you learn how to break those rules. I think it's I think it's fun to just, you know, I, I think the whole idea of having multiple homes, the only reason I'd really love to do that is so I could have drastically different spaces because I'm really attracted to very severe modern minimalist things. Uh-huh. And I'm very attracted to things that are this rustic Western thing. And I'm attracted to a Philip Schutze house that is just spectacular traditional architecture. Right. And it's hard to have all, all of those in one place, mm-hmm. but it would be nice to have that in a couple places. Mm-hmm. So is your Montana home drastically different than your Atlanta home in t- interiors-wise? It's an apartment, first of all, above a retail store on Main Street across from a cowboy bar. Don't tell people they're going to go knock on your door. All right, that's cool. <laughs> so so it's actually more urban than where I live here mm-hmm. in this very remote part of the world, which is pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> and. Yeah, it's simple. It's pretty understated. We have an office set up there, and you know. So you didn't go super modern, or no? It's got a little bit of mid-century influence. Mm-hmm. I have a womb chair. Oh, I love that. Which I love <laughs> in a neutral mohair, which looks fantastic, and sitting in front of a big television. You know? <laughs> All right, question. I like big. TVs. I ask often. I'm of not afraid our of a big TV. Do you have a te- television in your bedroom? Yes. All right. Last, our last guest said no, as did Taryn and Caroline. I was the only one at the table who said yes. Yeah, and we don't watch it <sighs> all the time, but we do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't. You know, we don't get in bed and watch TV every night, but we certainly have been known to lay in bed and watch TV. Right. And there's mm-hmm. something kind of great about that to me. I mean, I don't want to do it every day, and I don't wake up and turn it on. I never turn it on in the morning. No, I don't rarely. Either. Maybe Sunday morning if I want to watch Sunday morning. I'll do that if I'm But with lazy. kids in the house, sometimes that's your only place to be, yeah. you know, especially yeah. as they get older and they're teenagers. <laughs> well, we said that. They're everywhere. We, we, yeah, we're aware that our true. current situations, if we had to hide away from people, it might be different. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think there there was a time when it just all of a sudden became the right thing to say is that, no, you shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom and people stopped doing it, or they put them behind doors. Or they lied about it. Or they potentially lied about it. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, you look at, um, you know, most residential environments now, people have gotten away from hiding their television. Yeah. And now, you, you know, you have a TV on a wall that's a couple inches thick, and you can rotate it, you can do whatever if you yeah. want to. Um, but it's become the norm that your TV is exposed. It doesn't mean it's on all the time. But it's just part of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've uh, gotten used to it. And I like <laughs> a big TV if you're going to have one. Make it big. I know. Watch a movie. Watch a Falcons game. You know. There's no reason to even go TV to a theater on. anymore if you live in my house. <laughs> yeah. It's a big old TV. It's a big old TV. <laughs> go Jim Mooney. So do you feel like, what are, what are well, this is a question we also ask. Pet peeves, decorating pet peeves when you go in someone's homes. What do you hate? Can't stand it. People do this all the time. Ugh. Oh, man. <laughs> pet peeves. I don't know. So far, I, I like I, that you're not looking around my house. You I, are a little bit, but not too bad. I think it's um, latching onto a trend mm-hmm. and, and just, and I'll use an example. 
overscaled patterned wallpaper mm-hmm. has become something that people think is really good. Right. I don't it is very hot at the moment. I know it is. Yeah. And, and it's a trend. And I don't really go after trends very much, I guess. Right. Um, that's kind of my pet peeve is why be trendy for the sake of being trendy. If there's a real reason for it and there's some unique space, you want to do it. But, or you fall in love with something. But truly. because you saw it in a magazine doesn't actually make it right for you right? and your mm-hmm. space. And so you walk in sometimes and go, wow, this room is overpowered by whatever it is, the wall covering, the color. The, when it may have been seen in a magazine and therefore if it's in a magazine and it got published, it must be good. Right. So or it might be good there in the magazine, but not for you. Right, not in that particular space. Just like you're saying, you know, know yourself a little bit with fashion. Things can look great on a model, but they're not going to look good on you. You know, you need to know yeah. your body, what looks good on you, your own personal style. Same with your home. What's your and personal some, style? You know, some you designer rules, if you will, where you make some of those decisions of what fits right in the right scale of room. Um whether it's the size of a piece of furniture or how bold the color is or dark the color is or light the color is, mm-hmm. how do you make that room successful? Scale comes up a lot when we're talking to designers. Scale's important. Yeah. And, um, and it's fun to play with. Sometimes you can do something that's overscaled and intentionally make a room where you feel like, wow, this is kind of a small room, but let's make it feel really small and jam it full of furniture and paint the walls dark. And you're walking like, that could be the coziest room I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. And that's an emotion, a feeling, and a, something that turns out to be really great. As opposed to saying, let's paint it white and try to make it feel bigger. Well, that may not work because mm-hmm. it is a small room. You're not going to change the size of the room. So how do you make that? You know, And so much of what we do is an emotional thing as much as it is reality. How do you feel? How does that room make you feel? Mm-hmm. So when we talk to people and, you know, we're interviewing a client, we might have a discussion. And one of it is, how do you want to feel when you walk in your house? How do you want your friends to feel when you walk in the house? If you're um, entertaining for business, how do you want those people to feel when they walk in your house? When, the way people answer those questions, that informs what you're going to do. Mm. You know, if we all ask ourselves those questions, we can figure it out. Right. Like I want to impress people or I want to feel comfortable. I mean, if it's a business or, thing, mm-hmm. you know, you may say, okay, I really want to walk. I want people to walk in and know that I'm successful because I'm the boss. Right. Or King of the castle. It is. Or maybe I'm extremely wealthy and I don't want everybody to know it. Like all of That's us. That's a different feeling too. <laughs> you know? Right. So, so I think, you know, there are people who want their house to be ostentatious and there want people who want their house to be very understated. Right. It's so complicated. <laughs> Life's tough, Karen. Right? We need to hire professionals to help us. <laughs> Sometimes that's the answer. <laughs> and we're here to help when we can. Well, should we do our questions? Should we answer our questions? Yeah, let's help. Let's, if, yeah, let's if Bill's help here to help, what are we going to do? We're going to answer our decorating okay, dilemma. Okay, let's do it. Um, the first is from Tennille. She's from Arizona, and she writes, We are building a home, and our kitchen and living room are one large area. Our kitchen ceilings are 10 foot, and then our living room ceilings are 21 feet. So that makes for a gigantic blank wall on the second floor. What should I put there? Trim it out? Art? I'd love to hear your thoughts. 
Neil, that is a tall ceiling. Mm-hmm. Wow, it is. Cool house, though, too. Yeah. I mean, I like She's what under I'm construction. Here. Very much under construction. It looks like there's a bowed out, almost mezzanine on one side. Am I seeing that right? Yeah, now? like with yeah. a rail. It looks like that'll look out over yeah, into the be room. A rail. Um, into and then the other side, I guess, is the one that maybe both sides where she's concerned about the height. Um, you know, again, uh, back to what I said earlier, I think there's something about regionally where you are, mm-hmm. where materials come into play. If there's a regional material like a stone, you could clad part of that wall or all of that wall in stone. And then that gives you something three-dimensional that you could either hang something on that's a painting or something, again, that's three-dimensional. Or, you know, come up with, back to the collection idea, what is special to you that you could hang on that wall that's three-dimensional and it's going to take up some not only space height-wise, but it's going to take up some volume because some of that, if you project out into the room three-dimensionally with a modern sculpture, animal head, if that turns you on, whatever <laughs> it happens to be, mm-hmm. you know, it, it fills some space and makes something interesting. And I think that's the answer. You need to figure out a way to have something three-dimensional there that, that complements your open architectural space. It's a big space. It's very large. So if it's left untreated, and I'm not sure molding's the answer, I don't think that does it. You could have texture on the wall and then add something on top of that, and you're going to have something that adds some richness and some warmth, and it makes it feel finished. Otherwise, it's going to feel a little sterile in there, I'm afraid. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have to have that collection assembled immediately. Start, you know, figure out... Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, what's something you're passionate about or you fall in love with when you go to the market yeah. or look around and start your collection and start assembling it and then let it, let it grow organically Absolutely. up that wall. How high do you go with that collection? Because this balcony up above would look straight in earth. It has to go way up, right? Yeah, I was just wondering what you, you would do. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to know from, from this mm-hmm. image. It, it's it, a two-story it, room. It's so, a two-story room, so we're probably – we must be talking about – the wall that's not the one with the bow on it. Right. And there maybe there's a full height wall that truly is. Maybe it's the one to the left yeah. on that photograph. It's like the best one I was sending out over this two-story two story wall. wall or yeah. whatever it is. You know, you're going to go pretty high. You would um, just go all the way up? You know, okay. Well, it depends on what you're putting on there. But you, you want to make sure that it doesn't feel like it's hanging low and going to encroach on the lower level. Right. It doesn't so stop that where really is kind the of a balance starts. that you have to figure out when you're in the space, I think. Because this first photo looks like, I mean, that's a kitchen underneath it. So it's just like a ha- the wall is only on the top half. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah but this, this goes all the way here. Right, right. But so it's, yeah. So you put your so collection on the wall that's here. Yeah. double. Yeah, she just has one wall, right, that's going to be so big. Yeah? No, this top one, it, that's all wall. Oh, like she's saying this is going to be a wall, too. But then underneath is just open. Sure. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. a wall. So does she do anything that to that? One, Maybe well, she you could it. hang art on that. I mean, two-dimensional art. Like that, that one is not the biggest challenge uh, in the room. I think the full height wall yeah. is the one right. where you... And the other way to handle it is, you know, a massive modern painting could be really pretty spectacular well there. Well lit. Mm-hmm. And really making a statement. And lighting is the most important thing in an interior, arguably. Because okay. you can have the finest painting in the world, but if you can't see it, who cares? Mm-hmm. So lighting is something that we always work hard on. And you create this background, but you set it up so that whatever you're going to put there is going to be well lit. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And we sell some really big paintings. They're not 21 feet. No, 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 they're not. You're not. I mean, it needs to be at least probably 15 feet, wouldn't you think? Well, if it's a 21 foot wall. I mean, yeah. yeah. You guys do have big paintings, though. Yeah, because I used a big painting mm -hmm. or a a triptych. Four, yeah. Or or something. We used a series of big paintings. Seasons art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Those are like six feet tall. So that would be four, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, We had all the seasons. That's true. It was four seasons. Yeah, four seasons. Oh, my God. (laughs) Was not that a had never occurred to me before. It, it didn't had occur to occurred to you? There were four. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, four seasons. <laughs> Those were Duh. nice paintings. You pick the seasons you like. Those were really nice They're paintings. great. They were great in that space. Yeah, and they're, yeah. Yeah, that's they're true because there are four of them, and well, they're very about, tall, and you can you know, put that across that wall. What I'm talking about is exactly cool. what that did. You know, mm-hmm. that r- room was not as tall as we're talking about, but it was pretty tall. Mm-hmm. And something of pretty large scale, which those paintings were, made it feel finished and comfortable. Otherwise, that could have been a very vacuous space. It's like, whoa, this feels cold. Yeah, that giant warehouse. Yeah. yeah. It's a warehouse. So you're filling it up like, like sort mm-hmm. of like she has. It's not anything but like we didn't the same space, it. but it's you know, big. That was the one statement piece in the room. You don't have to do this on every wall. Mm-hmm. That's one thing people need to remember because I feel like sometimes you go in somebody's house and it's like, it's over. Well, kind of like my house. There's paintings everywhere because <laughs> I love to buy paintings. But you don't have to do that. You can have one statement piece that really can command a room. Right. And then a couple of pieces that complement it, and you're not trying to be. It's kind of like back to the pillow conversation. Every pillow doesn't have to be the special pillow. All the paintings don't have to be dynamic and take over the room. Mm-hmm. We have one more dilemma. Okay. It's long and complicated, Bill. Focus. I'm trying. This mm. is from Carolyn, and she writes... <laughs> I have begged my husband to move, but it's not on the cards. So instead, I'm trying to zhush up. Zhush. 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 Okay. Zhush. Up what I've got. <laughs> we live in a teeny 1930s Dutch colonial, and my living room is awkward at best. I struggle with furniture placement, and I don't have enough room to float it, so it can't follow Bunny Williams' advice. So it's married to my walls. And even though I really love color, somehow I've ended up with a boring beige room. Most of my pieces are family things or thrifted, and I love a casual and collected look. I don't have drape draperies since I think the room is too small and they would take up my wall space. And I'm pretty sure my lampshades are hideous and not the right size. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I would love your thoughts on a few things. Number one, please confirm whether my lampshade situation is an issue. You can be brutal. Mm-hmm. Number two, should I consider draperies, panels, or maybe a Roman shade of sorts? And if yes, what color? Three, thoughts on furniture placement and whether I should get rid of and or slipcover, reupholster, any of it. And then fourth, would would paint help to rid me of this sadly tan tint that exists? <laughs> or is there another way? If so, what color? If the pain is okay, how can I inject some life? Honestly, when I'm in the space, I do feel happy. But when I look at these pictures, it's so blah. This room is where we watch TV and hang out as a family um, with her husband and son and her golden doodle. So there's three people. She wants it functional and comfortable. I have to describe the room if you don't mind. And then, Bill, you're going to jump in. Okay. Please do. I want our listeners to try to understand what this looks like. Okay. The size and whatnot. It doesn't look huge, right? So what would you say, like... 12 by 15, perhaps? I have no idea based Making on these it up. photos. We're going it's with that. It's not a big room. Uh, it's not a large room. On the short wall, she has a sofa. 
uh, with a side table, and then she has a coffee table, and then two chairs facing into that space. But the two chairs, the back of the chairs, back up to a fireplace. And it looks like on the left of the sofa, there's a walkway, kind of a hall into the next room. So she's got everything kind of um, oriented out away from that hallway towards the long wall. Um, so there, go, Bill, fix it. Carolyn, I think, we, let's talk about the good things about this room first. Okay. And that is, I think, you know, it's a Dutch colonial, you say, I think your front door looks like it's cool, and I think the molding scale of the base and around the windows is really good. So this room kind of feels like there's probably some good bones there. I think we start with the background, and the background is the paint color. I would make this room lighter and make it a white room or virtually you know there's a million versions of white but whatever attracts you but it's lighter than what's coming across as kind of a peachy beige in this photo um i think that's a good start and i think draperies would be great and i would do a light open weave linen sort of thing so it's airy it's fresh and it's also about the color of the walls so it doesn't get heavy Bill, but should it, the, her trim match her walls too? Like yeah, the trim matches the, the walls trim and the panels the walls. as well. Okay. Yeah, and you could do flat on the walls, eggshell or on the walls if you want, semi gloss or high gloss on the trim, whatever works for you. But I think that will make an interesting detail. I would even consider adding some crown mold in here. You know, this this room could handle crown mold, and that'd be another nice detail. Um, but the drapery is going to add a finished quality to the space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to make it feel smaller by doing it the same color as the walls and keeping it light without a pattern. You don't want to draw too much attention to it. But I think that would be good. I think the other um, kind of issue I see here is scale of furniture, and the sofa feels big. Um, I think some of that has to do with the rolled arm. The cushions have a uh, plumpness to them. If this was a little more streamlined, a little cleaner aesthetic to the upholstery, I think it would feel a little more in scale with the room. To the flip side of that, I think the lampshades are too small, mm-hmm. uh, especially the floor lamp. That shade looks like a toy shade. So I think you put a little bigger shade on that. Again, you're staying light and neutral and maybe linen or a paper shade. So you're creating this light background that's going to make this feel a little bigger. And then... Your artwork, I especially like it, what looks like an original painting with a gold frame. I like that. Um, the other painting may get covered by some drapery panels if you do it. I also would minimize or get rid of pattern completely in a room of this scale. The pillows and whatever else. I think the dog, is there a dog laying on the sofa? I love the dog. She does have a labradoodle. The dog oh, yeah, there good. it is. So, Bill, the color of the sofa, should that be like an, a, a neutrally light, light yeah, that sofa, linen-y part color? Part of the reason it feels big is it's dark. Mm-hmm. It's very and contrasty it, with it, the walls. Exactly, and it's coming across heavy. Yeah. And even though the actual size of it may not be too big for the room, visually it's too big for the room. Right. Um, but- so I'd minimize pattern. I would definitely um, consider some reflective surfaces in here. So the cocktail table that's now a teal or green sort of color. If that had a antique glass top on it, you could have some reflection. Again, that's going to feel lighter when you do that mm-hmm. um, and add some brightness to the space. Yeah, because if she had everything in here neutral with that one little fun bit of color with the coffee table with the antique mirror top, that'd be so pretty and yeah, it'd be great. soothing yeah. and beautiful. And, and you can have color in the accessories, color in the art. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I really do think, I'm just getting a glimpse of that front door, but it makes me think that there's probably some pretty special things about this house. And uh, that's a good thing. Right. Yeah, the, it does. It has that beautiful like arch entry from the front door into yeah. the living room. Yeah. Um, Did we hit it? I, I think that's... Did we miss any questions? No, I think that's great. Caroline seems to have one thought about the layout. Mm-hmm. And us. now y'all tell me if you think it's a terrible idea. Let's hear it. We'll be judging. Okay, I think if... And it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to say with photos, but when I was looking at this, um, I was thinking maybe it might work to mount your TV over this like wooden console table instead of having it, um, on top of the fireplace. Mm -hmm. And then you can move your, it, it looks in the photos like the biggest wall is the wall across from that, across from that console table. So the the sofa and the fireplace are on the two short walls. Yes. And the long wall has windows two on windows. it. Two windows, yes. So what I was thinking is maybe you move the the sofa onto the long wall so that it's not like you don't run into it when you walk in the so door. So it faces the front door? Sort of, it would. When you walk in, you'd be facing the sofa. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of running into it. Yes. You would come in like on the long angle of the sofa. So having the sofa floating in between the two windows and have it facing the TV, which would be hanging over. I have a, I have a reason why that isn't going to work. Why? Because I know that you watch your sofa that, I mean, you watch television that way. You watch your television, you have your sofa on a wall and then your TV, y'all lay on your sofa and watch television. She Mm -hmm. and her child and her husband are not all going to lay on the sofa together and watch TV. Yeah, but that's not what I'm saying. But the sofa would be like that and the TV would be right here. No, no. Because this, this, Okay. If you're if you're staring at the the fireplace, the sofa is behind you, and the console is on your left. So what I'm saying is, hang the TV over the console, then have your sofa straight across from it. She's saying put the TV on this wall. Oh, I was looking here. This console. You're talking about the. I'm talking about put it in the hallway. Yes. Put it in the hallway. Carolyn, could you send us a floor plan? That will help everyone. And this we can answer chair. this question. This that chair is the chair is that's sitting in front of her sofa. This is a hallway. Right yeah, it's not a hallway. Do. It's in the room. We don't know. Okay. Well, but it it is yes that it's a little hard to tell. It is a, like a, a walkway. But I think the concept of what you're saying yes, is right. Exactly. Like having That's your true. sofa on the long wall instead of in the short wall is yeah. basically what I'm saying. But if you you would have to move your TV to make it. But you could put that television right there, and even though people walk between you and the TV, it's still yeah. But yeah, it's still not too far away. Can we go back to the pet peeve question for a second? <gasps> yes. Televisions over fireplaces. Oh, you don't like it? Mm. Yeah. It's a pet peeve. Yeah. So what do you do when you're designing a room and you are putting it in a different location? How do you make the focal point in the room? Do you make it towards it's the TV? It's not an or? easy thing to do, especially when you're doing something where you might have a TV and a fireplace and a view. You know, you got a lot going on there. Right. Mm-hmm. you got to lose something. So, but I, you know, in this situation, would it work to take the TV if, if your suggestion didn't work? You just move it off to the right. Mm-hmm. And it is to, to the, the right, right of the, the fireplace, fireplace. Yeah. and it's not the dominant feature above the fireplace because that's a great place for a piece of art, and it kind of sets the tone of the room. Right now, we have either the TV on or a black box mm-hmm. sitting yeah. there, right? And that's just a challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really is, and we f- we see it all the time. And the easy answer is, I want to see my fire and I want to watch TV. Well, how do we do that and have success? Mm-hmm. And so we just take some manipulation yeah. of the space, see how how it works. 
Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's a dilemma that faces a lot of people. Yeah. And so it's something that to always be discussed and figure out what's the best solution. The scale of the TV too. You know, as I said, I like big TVs. That TV could be a little bigger over right. the fireplace. Now, if we moved it off to the right-hand side and it sat on a cabinet or something like that or hung on the wall, it wouldn't feel that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But why not have a bigger TV, you know, if you're going to have that right above your fireplace? You, know, you and I think the th- same way about TV. <laughs> I do like your solution, Caroline, though. Kind of put it on the other side of the room. And you could, um, and you know, sofa. kind of, because I think that, like, when I'm looking at it, it feels like the sofa is like a roadblock right when you come in the door because it's so big, like you said, and heavy and dark. Well, there's mm-hmm. sort of a large table next to it, too. And there's a big that table. That table should be a little smaller. It feels like it would, like, discourage you from walking in. You might have to, to like, me. maneuver around that to get in the house mm-hmm. yeah. a little bit. You don't and want again, to it's a little hard to tell from the from the photo here whether what would really be the best, but... I think moving furniture around is always a good thing. Just see what works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fiddle with it. And, you know, sometimes you don't really know till you physically do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're saying, get that shell right. Get the walls and the panels and the trim all kind of the same palette. And then a smaller footprinty feeling sofa. It doesn't necessarily have to be a smaller sofa, but that big rolled arm makes it feel. It takes up a lot of space that you're not really using. proportionally giant. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you think about it, that rolled arm is probably like eight inches on both oh, sides. Yeah. It's probably that eight to ten inches. Yeah, you're losing sure. a foot and a half practically that you're mm-hmm. not even getting to sit on. Yeah, that's a that's a waste. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was also thinking if she got some, like you were saying, too reflective. If she had a metal bookcase over in the corner, or maybe she did some upholstered chairs that also had a metal detail that were still comfy and cozy. Something that isn't wood. Another material. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something that's not a flat matte right. surface. Or a mercury it, glass and, lamp. or Mercury glass. Right, great, something. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, something that isn't I think to brighten this space up a little bit, lighten it up, mm-hmm. you're going to walk in and feel good in that room. Yeah. Because I think it is a cool house. Yeah, it's a cool tell. house. You can tell it's a cool house. I think you keep the... I mean, she could probably work with a slipper chair. I'm wondering if she gets a different... Because, again, her little yeah. side chair with the ottoman is also a chunkier it's kind of a silhouette. Yeah, the best scale of... chair in the room is probably the blue one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think is Just a nice piece. and Sort of armless thing. Armless, easy to move around if you wanted to. Right. And I know that... Uh, Carolyn... Carolyn... You have a chair with an ottoman, and I know that that's for comfort to watch television. I I know what you're doing there. Um, But that ottoman is taking up so much room in that room. Um, I have a little – I bought it like at Tuesday morning or Richard Variety or something like that. (laughs) But it's, um, you know, just a very portable little poof that you can move around. You pull it out. You put it under your feet. You throw it to the side. It's not going to take up all that room Mm -hmm. You know, there's a really cool poof that they do at Ballard. Yeah. That I've used before, that leather one, comes in multiple oh, yeah. colors. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that it's just like a little round. would be right on perfect here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My last thought was a sectional. That was all I was going to say. I know. Say. What if she did a little Because if she had that little thin, one. we have that Orson. one that has like the e- Orson. The Orson that's sectional. pretty streamlined, and it's reversible on which direction you can do it. You put the, the ottoman. Mm-hmm. On yeah, where you yeah. put So she could tuck storage that ottoman. extension into the corner nook, you know, so then. I really think this is one of those situations where she needs to. However um, basic it would be, draw this 
In plan? Right. On she our, could use our room planner. Our planner. We have it on our website. Fiddle it, with it a little bit. Do yeah. it on the website and play with it a little bit and say, okay, does this sectional work? Yes, no, maybe. And does this work or does that work? Yeah. And then figure out That's true. what her next move is before she starts buying furniture. Because yeah. it's odd, it, It's odd, but it's true. Like To think that she has a regular sofa in there and it's too big, but a sectional might work. Yeah. You know, just the way it's shaped and yes. the scale and, and portion and, of it. And as you guys said, the chair that's there with the ottoman, that's a big chair too. Mm-hmm. So if you if you rethought the the sofa and that chair and the ottoman, you might be able to change this room to where it feels really comfortable. Yeah. With the same amount or more seating, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and be really successful. And you know what? I'm sure she's trying to go for here. She's got two men in her life: fifteen year old son and a husband, which is exactly what I have, right? Well, and you know, because guys are very much in. I want it to be comfy. I need it to be comfy. I want to watch TV. I want to sit in my chair. It needs to be a comfy chair, and that's what she's going for here with that really? big chair and that ottoman. Shh, Bill. <laughs> You're such a chauvinist. Is that really all they want? It's, it's a top priority. <laughs> Whereas girls go by the motto, beauty knows no pain. You know, we walk around in high heels and, you know, That's anyway. True. But like a swivel glider, a, you know, a chair that will swivel around to watch the television and could turn around. Or recliner. You could do it on the recliner. No, path. then you can't watch TV in the room. Stop putting bad ideas. To, I'm going back to what you said about what the men want. Throw the recliner. <laughs> they want leather there. and a recliner and dark green walls. But she did a sectional to... and a recliner in this room. Again, I don't know the actual size of this room, but it could be. It could. We have some very good looking recliners. We do. The Layla is so, amazing. Yeah. And we have some ones that are upholstered that you can't even tell they're recliners mm-hmm, until someone like pulls that. No, there's no lever, but you just lean back. Well, there's, you know, the ones with the buttons now and, or remote. I just bought one of those for my mother. You just push the button and it's yeah. nice. And there's, some, and there's some that just the back goes back. So when it's up, you don't see any of that detail down here. So you can't tell yeah. that it's a recliner oh, nice. at all. I think that's how a lot of them are. And the back are, goes yeah. back. It yes. doesn't have the pop-up. Right. Yeah. It doesn't do the foot. Foot deal. Oh, it doesn't have the feet? No, it, you oh. use an ottoman. Oh, right. Come on. Or a Be classy. From Tuesday morning. <laughs> doesn't have the big wooden handle on the side anymore. So, Bill, how can we find you? Are you on Instagram? Yes, because I follow you. Yes, I am. What's it called? At Peace Design. P-E-A-C-E. All right. And it's William. William Peace is your official working name. Yeah, Bill, William, whatever. (laughs) All right. And then we have a Facebook thing and, you know, yeah, we're out there. We have a website, PeaceDesign.com. Cool. Okay. All right. And how do you find us, Caroline? What do we do? Yeah, you can uh, subscribe subscribe to the show in the podcast app or wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Ballard Designs and send us your questions so we can answer them on our next show. In a you very, can- very long manner. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> but we're going to have amazing designers help you figure out your burning decorating dilemma. And if you right. want me to come back, you have to ask for me. So send that in. That's right. Request yeah. Bell specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can send those questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. So um, you can find the show notes at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And we'll have links to all the products we've talked about, mm-hmm. links to Bill stuff. We'll share, share, share photos of that. And until next time, <gasps> happy, happy decorating. decorating. Hey, thanks, you guys. It was lots of fun. Thanks, Bill. Yay. Yay.